The Emergency Medical Minute proudly presents Dr. Donald Stater, emergency physician and opioid epidemic expert, who shatters preconceptions about opioids and addiction by sharing the story of how medicine lost its way, fueling our nation's worst addiction epidemic to date. This is Dreamland in Denver, and his talk, Doing Harm, Medicine's Role in Creating the Opioid Crisis. Well, good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for coming. Um, who, how many clinicians, nurses, doctors do we have? In, awesome. Okay, we're going to try an experiment, okay? On three, we're going to all say the first rule of medicine. One, two, three. Do no harm. Wow, good job. Right? And do no harm. I remember the first time I heard that, and I thought, my God, how uninspiring, <laughs> right? How can our motto be, let's not screw this up? <laughs> how can the motto of medicine be that medicine that has captivated the imagination, right? That has created miracles and wonders, right? When you think about it, we have vanquished smallpox, rubella. We've taken things that are death sentences, like type 1 diabetes and HIV AIDS, and made them long-term survivable diseases. You can have a failed organ, a kidney that doesn't work, and live for years on dialysis. You can have a heart that doesn't work, doesn't work, a heart that doesn't work, and you can live for months. <laughs> Brain blown. You would think that medicine would have an aspirational first rule. Do awesome things, help people, invent cool stuff. But it's not, right? It's not aspirational, it's cautionary. Why? Because doctors, because clinicians, all think we're hot stuff. I do too. We have to remember humility Humility is the basis of medicine. Because when we forget humility, we forget that we can harm those that we, can, that we intend to help. And that's so pertinent nowadays in the midst of this opioid epidemic, where healers have become harmers. So tonight, what I would like to do with you is take a truthful, an honest, and a simple look at how we in medicine created the opioid epidemic. It's an autopsy, an autopsy, plain and simple. And the reason we're going to go through this very hard exercise is the, because the basis of every change comes from understanding. Let's start with the morphine molecule itself, right? Let's start with opioids. Opioids are one of the most commonly, most powerful, and most dangerous drugs that we have out there. How do they work? You flip open a textbook as a medical student and you'll read about U-receptors and you know, C-fibers and ascending pathways and neurotransmitters and those balancing out. Wow, it's complex. But I said, we're going to be simple. So let me tell you the simple truth about how opioids work to control pain. Intoxication. Let's be honest with ourselves. How they work is intoxication, pure and simple. And why? Doesn't that sound bad? All you're doing is getting people high, intoxicating them for pain? 
Yes, we've been doing it for millennia. There's a reason why whiskey and a stick made sense. <laughs> and there's a reason why it worked for pain. Three beers, if you drink them, two pints, is as good as aspirin or Tylenol, and there's a study proving that. And why? It's not judgmental, it's physiologic. Because when you're high and when you're intoxicated, you have a tremendous sense of ease. You have a sense of well-being. You don't care about the problems. They're not painkillers. They just make you indifferent to the fact that you're having pain. Right? Now, if that's all they did and made people different and they could survive the, wound, the mortal wounds, injuries, and pains of life, that's awesome. We should be giving those out like hotcakes. But there's a darker side, a much darker side to opioids. I said they're the most dangerous class of drugs, and I mean it. I feel it. They're the most dangerous type. Because one, their side effect profile is terrible. And beyond things like constipation and nausea, they weaken your immune system and make you more prone to infection. There's this weird thing called opioid-induced hypersthesia, where when we give people opioids, we change their neural anatomy, and they feel more pain instead of less. That's a danger. Right? When you talk about whether they play well with others, they don't. We've already mentioned benzodiazepines and opioids are a recipe to death. Now, what else do they do? Right? The, the big thing that they do is they create addiction. It's the only drug that treats a symptom that creates a disease. Think about the trade-off there. Right? You're treating a symptom, pain. You create a disease, addiction. That seems like a really crappy trade-off to me and to a lot of people. Let's talk about addiction next because people don't understand addiction. I, as a doctor, did not understand addiction, and I went through a hell of a lot of school and read a hell of a lot of books. Right? And a lot of it was just bullshit. <laughs> so, so let's talk about addiction. Addiction, I think most people think they understand addiction. Most people on the street, if you tell them, oh, that person's an addict, they'll understand exactly the type of person that guy or gal is. They're a bad person. They made a bad choice. They're choosing to throw their life away to chase alcohol or heroin or whatever the heck it is. We, that's what we understand about addiction. In the medical field, we've learned it not from medicine, but from our moral preconceptions. It's not a moral failing. It's a medical disease, folks. Anytime that you use an opioid, it affects a part of your brain, right? The biggest part of your brain, something called the telencephalon, and that has the cerebral cortex, the part of your brain that makes you who you are, that makes you think, that makes you reason. It affects the limbic system, the part of your brain that gives you emotions, right? It helps you control your emotional liability. And it affects, most of all, the reward system. The reward system, the thing that tells you, hey, you know what, I should probably not jump head force off that because I'm going to concuss myself or break my neck. Right? Hey, I should probably go drink that beer because it's going to make me feel better after this talk. <laughs> right? Bad example there. <laughs> so it affects all those things. And when you use an opioid, it changes your neurobiology. And at first, your body because of opioids, is a wash in endorphins and a wash in dopamine. And you feel amazing. 
You feel, if you're a person with anxiety, you feel at peace. You feel like the world, even though you're living in a shithole, might be okay, right? You feel high. Here's the problem. Once you start using, your body stops producing endorphins and it stops producing dopamine, right? It's a physiologic change. So you, you start using not to feel high, but to feel normal. And when that goes blank and you stop producing, period, you use only not to get sick. Addiction is a terrible disease. And we've called it by the wrong name for way too long. Addiction is actually a terrible name for this. It's stigmatized. We have to rename this disease. And the right name for it is brain failure. Telencephalonic brain failure. Because that's what people are suffering from. It's not addiction, it's brain failure. And just like any type of organ failure, it's got a high morbidity, a high mortality, and we sure as hell better treat it like a medical disease or people are gonna die. In fact, we have 64,000 body bags from last year saying people are dying. Now, I'm a history buff. I love history. And I would like to tell you that this is our first opioid epidemic, but it's our fourth. Right? It's our fourth. And each one of these opioid epidemics has been driven by physicians who were trying to do good but ended up doing harm. The first was with opium, right? We've had opium since Hippocrates. It's our, one of our oldest drugs. But we knew there was a problem with opium because people abused it, people got addicted, and people overdosed. Thankfully, we invented a cure for opium in the 1800s called morphine. And what we learned scientists and doctors said is, hey, opium's got a bunch of stuff in it. We've taken out the pure molecule, the pure morphine molecule, and this can't possibly be bad. We can give it to people safely, right? And we gave it willy-nilly, and we created a disease called morphinism. Just another example of brain failure. Thankfully, medicine and its wit created a solution to morphinism. Heroin. Heroin was the cure to morphinism because what we did was we took something and we made it synthetic so it was different. The structure is different. It's going to work differently. We used it to treat morphine addicts and it was worse. We got rid of heroin. And in the 1980s, in our genius, we invented new drugs, drugs like Oxycontin, drugs like fentanyl. And we said, these drugs are different. Oxycontin is released over a very slow period of time. So people aren't going to get high. People are going to you know, not abuse this. They're not going to get addicted. And we told ourselves the same familiar lie, the same lie we've told ourselves many, many times before, that we weren't going to do harm, that we were going to help people. And this epidemic is the worst, the worst, period, point blank. 600,000 Americans are dead in the last 16 years, 600,000. 115 people die every single day. I don't mean to be macabre, but when you think about shootings, right? Like things that get all the press. Your daily opioid overdose dwarfs that. This is an undercovered epidemic. Now, let's talk about the other drivers, right? And I can't go through an opioid causation course without talking about pharmaceuticals and without talking about government. The only opioid that we got addicted to that was created by God or nature, depends on what you guys believe, is opium. After that, every single opioid that we've hooked our populace on 
has been either purified or created by a pharmaceutical agency, right? We have morphine. Merck created morphine. Merck, we know them, right? We have, we have fentanyl. Insys created fentanyl. We have Oxycontin. Purdue Pharma created Oxycontin, right? And then we have heroin. Heroin, the thing that's being shot on the streets, was created by Bayer, the same people who make your aspirin. And these pharmaceutical agencies created these drugs and they pushed them to doctors and they told them it would be safe and they made healers into dealers. Simple as that. They made healers into dealers. And they spent millions and billions of dollars on creating a system that pushed us to use opioids. Pain is a vital sign, right? You have to control pain. If you're not treating pain, you're being a bad, inhumane doctor, physician, nurse. You have to judge pain on every single patient that comes in. Pain pills are cheap. If I try to prescribe one of my patients an alternative to an opioid, it's expensive and insurance denies it. We've built a system that favors addiction. Let's speak truth to ourselves. Government. Government helped. Government took this money from pharma and they created regulations that didn't help patients but protected pharmaceutical giants. Plain and simple, right? Our government did that. And they created penalties for doctors who didn't want to prescribe. Things like patient satisfaction scores that harm doctors. They had a lot to do with creating this epidemic as well. Now, I can point fingers all day, but I think that the majority of blame rightfully rests with people like me, physicians, people who went to the bedside of our patients who are suffering and in need. We entered into that sacred space and we did harm by, by not following our rule of doing no harm. I think any physician knows that opioids are harmful at this point, right? Back in 2015, we had 33,000 people die of an opioid overdose. And yet, in that same year, we prescribed 38% of Americans an opioid, right? The, the horse is out of the barn. We know that these are dangerous drugs. Why the hell are we making the same mistakes? And this reason is because we want an easy way out, right? We don't want to do something that's complicated. We don't want to have conversations. It's so much easier to say, oh, you're in pain here. Let me write you a script for a pain pill or a prescription for a pain pill and get you out of the door. Because I've got to see, as an average family physician, a patient every seven minutes. That doesn't really leave a lot of time for me to talk with you and educate you about your pain. So... We as doctors really drove this epidemic. I think it's plain and simple. And if we're to get out of it, we as physicians and we as a medical system need to come to grips with the harms that we've caused and we need to resolve to create a better future for our patients. Now, I've only got a little time. Thank you, Wit. <laughs> so I'd like to just end with some thoughts about what it means, what the root of medicine is beyond do no harm. Right? So let me ask, does anyone know what patient, where the root of patient comes from? It means sufferer, right? Sufferer. Suffering and pain 
are human conditions. Human conditions. It's impossible to live without them. And it's impossible to vanquish them with a prescription pad or a pill. And we have to accept that. What does, what does nurse mean? Nurse comes from the same thing as giving, giving breast milk, of course. And it means to give sustenance, right? And my nurses out there, you guys kick tail. What does hospital mean? It means place of respite for the weary, right? Instead of acknowledging those things, too often in that sacred calling of being a healthcare system, instead we've entered this area of consumerism, right? Where we talk about patients not as sufferers, but as consumers. And we chase the dollars to try to get them to come to our emergency department. Right? And there's patient satisfaction in all these metrics. And we've lost something sacred in that pursuit. And that's part of the driver of this epidemic as well. And finally, what does doctor mean? This one most people know. Doctor, doctorate. It means teacher. It doesn't mean healer. It doesn't mean patient. It means teacher. Teacher. That most sacred sacred act of teaching a patient how to care for themselves, of teaching them their own body, of teaching them that even though they suffer, that they do not suffer alone and they do, that they do not suffer in vain. Because we, as their physician, will be there and we will suffer with them and we will try to make their suffering better. That's the sacred calling of medicine. And the reason why we have an opioid epidemic is because we forgot it. So, I don't want to leave you on a downer, <laughs> right? Because there's so much, even in this darkest of hours, even with the opioid epidemic raging, that fills me with hope. I see a family like the Winnefields, who in the past would have just languished in shame, standing up and saying, we've got to do something different. We've got to honor our son. And I see more families doing that and it gives me hope. I see legislators like Senator John and Representative Pedersen who've gone to our state house and said, we need to do things differently. We need to create laws that help patients. We need to create laws that protect people. And we're starting to do that. I see pharmaceutical agencies, some of them who do a lot of harm, get their feet held to the fire. And hopefully, we make them pay for what they've done. And I see in medicine a new and renewed calling to again be healers and not harmers and to heed that most sacred pact that we make with patients, that we will do them no harm. Thank you. Dreamland in Denver was brought to you in part by the Colorado Hospital Association, the Colorado American College of Emergency Physicians, CarePoint Healthcare, Copic, Collective Medical Technologies, Swedish Medical Center, and the University of Colorado Skag School of Pharmacy and Pharmaceutical Sciences.